0: hola welcome to another episode of telling everybody everything i've had a wild two weeks i'm sorry that i did not release a podcast last week but my mother came to visit she had a starring role in the show that we're filming at the house which is now pretty much wrapped and i could not be more relieved fred is a real wild card as you have come to know and you know it's just my family i think just the main takeaway my family are not as professional as i am And if I think I'm stressing them out, then that is the only thing that stresses me out. And can I make a show about parenting while stressing out one of my kids? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's bad parenting. Um, Luckily, the production were so accommodating in making sure that Fred was not too involved. But nevertheless, like, Fred gets pissed off when the delivery man comes to the door. Like, Fred is Fred. Or sometimes he's really happy to see the delivery man and wants to see the postman's truck and all these, you know, you just never know. You never know. I saw a meme uh, yesterday, just a little, I don't know if it's a meme or like a tweet that someone's put on Instagram. That's what it was. And it said, picture the scene. You wake up well-rested on a Sunday morning. You can get out of bed anytime you want. You've got no chores or responsibilities for the rest of the day. There's freshly fallen snow. Your mother has made cinnamon rolls and is serving you breakfast. But you are nearly three years old, so you're blind with rage. And that about sums up a toddler. The family were very excited to be invited to a four-year-old's birthday party this week. And on the invitation, it said... Goodbye, three nager Hello, four NATO. And I'm like, can we please? Like, it was supposed to be terrible twos, and that's it. And now we've got three nager four NATO. Like, what is five? I five you crazy. Uh, you know, good luck with your child. You might not survive. This can't go on forever. At some point, you just gotta stop being an asshole. I never had these problems with Violet. And in fairness to the four-year-old whose birthday it was, he was a gem. I saw no evidence of a fornado. Just a really lovely kid. We had a fine birthday party. And we were a little bit nervous about bringing Fred, but he loved it there as well. Uh, They had some petting zoo animals out, very well-kept animals. These animals were fat and glossy, beautiful animals. I think they were like film and TV actor animals. Like I wouldn't be surprised. If these were the actual animals from like the Eddie Murphy, Professor Klump movies, I think that's the one with animals. I don't know. Violet, even at that age, was like a young lady, exactly the way she is now. Though, I think what we're dealing with in her teenage years is we're struggling with making her understand cause and effect, long-term consequences good business, bad business. Um, for example, those of you who follow me on social media, and if you don't, you can always, you know, you're welcome to pop on by my Instagram. It's Bum. I'm not really on any of the others. Violet uh, prepared this pitch for Bobby and me. She made a whole PowerPoint presentation. She waited until the babies were asleep. She scheduled an evening and she stood in our living room, screen shared with the big television. And she said, Can I have a Halloween party at the house? And Bobby and I were like, oh my God. And she had really, to her credit, laid out like different bad things that could happen and how she was going to deal with them and different risks, how she would mitigate those, how she would avoid those things like, you know, danger by the pool and, what if someone brings alcohol? Or what if this, what if that? And here's how I'm going to avoid that. Here's why you don't have to worry about these things, which is exactly what I was looking for Violet to learn. I mean, she has made some bad business deals in her life. When she was a little bit younger, I always wanted to do her hair. I hate when a young woman has scraggly hair in her face. And I love doing plaits. A lot of people would count themselves very lucky to have a mom who can do like any combination of plaits, Dutch plaits, French plaits, I can do designs, I can do it all, and she wouldn't let me, and I really wanted to, and she said, all right, if you let me have another hamster, after one of her hamsters had been brutally murdered by the cat, she said, then you can do my hair as much as you want, whenever you want, until I'm 22, and that is a deal that is just bad for her. I said, "Violet, your hamster's not going to live more than 22 months, and that will be an old hamster, it's not in your interest to make a deal with me that lasts 22 years. And it's not realistic because no 22 year old will maybe by 22, you're letting your mom do your hair again. But like, I knew that that was something she could not hold up. Don't make promises. You can't keep essentially. She made the deal with me. I got her another hamster because I'm a pushover, even though I knew the deal would never hold up. And of course, yeah, she didn't let me do her hair past like one week. And she still sometimes struggles with cause and effect. She just wants stuff now. And even with the party, she said, please, please now, just let me have this party and I'll never ask to have another party again. I think a lot of teenagers say that. Just let me do this one thing now and never again. I said, Violet, it is not realistic with this house, this swimming pool, this garden, this liberal cool parents, that you're not going to ask us to have a party ever again, not when you're 16, not when you're 17, 18 We know you'll be living here until you're 36. Like, you will ask to have another party. No, no, never been again, mom, never. Just this one party. I was like, for God's sake, please think about the future. Please think about what is a reasonable deal. Uh, So we're working on that, you know, baby steps. But I was impressed by the presentation. So a lot of you have reached out on my social media and said, don't leave us hanging because I posted a video of Violet making this presentation. Did you allow her to have the party? The answer is yes, I am allowing the Halloween party. It's not on actual Halloween, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Basically, it's bullshit. She just wants to have a party and it's a tenuous link to a close by holiday. Um, And I don't know how you navigate having teenagers and, you know, keeping them safe and keeping them respectful and keeping your property from being vandalized. But basically, I gave Violet a number of children she was allowed to invite, and she sent these invites out to more children than that. And I also prepared a document. I'll find the document, actually, and read it to you. I think it's really smart. It is slightly OTT, but I just think in this day and age with liabilities and having all of these kids in my house, I want to send a really clear message to them, not when they're 16, not when they're 17, but before all of that, when they're 14, what the expectations are in my house. And also, I think it's a good message to the parents to know that if I expect this form signed by a parent with a parent's phone number, then they know that I'm not the kind of mom that allows drinking or vaping or anything else. Those parents are going to go, oh, if this mom's making me sign this, I feel safe sending my kid there because this mom's, you know, like, let's say the kid comes back, God forbid they went somewhere after my house or they got into trouble and then they went home. I'm not going to have any parents ringing me and be like, my child got drunk at yours. I'll be like, A, you signed the form and it said it was finished at this time. And B, you know I wasn't allowing any of that shit. So here's the form. Permission waiver. Hello. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, message me if you think this is good or bad. Already I'm embarrassed. Hello. All right. As we enter the teenage party years, I'm starting to understand why it was so difficult to find a venue that would host Violet's last birthday party. Oh, yeah. Because when I was putting together Violet's 13th birthday, yeah, she didn't even have a 14th birthday party. She was out of town. But even 13, and this was a girls private school of 12 year olds. I rang all around our local municipality, whatever that's called in the UK. And I was like, hi, can this venue do it? Can that venue do it? And so many venues were like yeah we have availability what's it for and i was like a birthday party for a 13 year old and they were like no they just won't and a few of them were giving me the runaround, like not really telling me the reason but then a few venues were like no they'll just trash it like we do not have parties for that age group and i was like huh luckily i did find one but it really struck me that teenagers are not even welcome in their own communities and that is sad so if they can find a place to gather and be safe and be responsible and respect their neighbors and wrap up the noise at a certain time i'm fine with that being my house you know i want them to be able to get together irl and not be on their screens all the time like i had such a fun childhood i had so much fun and it breaks my heart that they struggle to get together so i mean all right here's so here's the rest of the form The children are very welcome in our home slash garden slash pool, and we do want them to enjoy themselves and be able to gather in a safe environment for a party. However, dot, 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 new line. My husband and I feel that it's necessary to collect signed permission waivers from all parents of children attending any party in our home. This acknowledges that we will not tolerate any illegal behavior. At 14 and 15 years old, illegal behavior includes drinking alcohol, vaping, any sexual activity, assault, vandalism. Anyone found to be participating in any illegal behavior will be asked to leave and parents called. By signing this waiver, you acknowledge responsibility for your child in our home and further acknowledge that you have spoken to them about having bag searches and guest list checks at the door. Vila would like to have a Halloween party the evening of such and such from such and such to such and such a time. Not telling you in case you turn up. A lot of people know where I live. We have hired a private security firm to help oversee this party for peace of mind. That is true if at any time your child feels unsafe please encourage them to find me in the house or approach someone from the security team with concerns they should dress warmly as violet expects to be in the garden we have a zip line and a small swimming pool that the children should use only with caution this document feels like a lot but i do think it's best to be clear from the beginning about my expectations for this party and for all parentheses if any let's see how it goes end parentheses future parties catherine and then i have name of child Name of parent, parent phone, and signature. And I have had returned so many electronic signatures. I do hope these are from parents and not children. It's a dicey market out there. The kids know how to do electronic signatures now. But this is, I feel like, the best that I can do. And you might be a lawyer listening, be like, okay, this does not hold up because you're still responsible. Fine, fine, fine. But for me, it's more about sending a message to the teenagers and letting the parents know that I'm on it. I'm trying to be as responsible as I can be. I'm dealing with the two babies in the house. It's not like we put them down at seven and they stay asleep. We have to monitor them. They do wake up sometimes. So I'm not going to be like walking around the garden myself very much. Also, that's apparently not really cool. So yeah, I have hired a private security firm, which was a nightmare. Because first I hired one and they were like, yeah, we're down to do the party. And then they realized it was at my home And they were like, well, we don't have liability insurance for a home. It has to be a venue. And then I found another security company, which was a blessing because it's an even better security company. One that I have dealt with in film and television before. One that I know. One that I feel very safe having to do bag checks, physical searches. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care. And am I a Karen for doing this? I just feel like if I'm a good kid... And I turn up to a party where the guest list is actually being respected. I'm getting a wristband. I'm going in the garden. They've checked my bag. I'm like, all right, good. Then no other kid is going to bring anything at this party that my mom's going to get me in trouble for somehow later. And I just hope to God that this party goes well, that everyone behaves themselves. And it's in their interest to do so. And this is what I hope the children understand about you know, foresight and consequences. If they can gather, even though there are more than I first thought were coming, I've made some accommodations, I've hired a marquee. Oh, and this really cool company that I found on my friend Louisa Zisman's Instagram, it's called Portable Parties. It basically, at first glance, looks like a really big upside down bouncy castle, but you blow up this big black structure And inside, it's got lights and two Bluetooth speakers and a smoke machine, and it's really dark inside, and it just makes like a disco. And they have different size ones for different capacities, and they will come to wherever you are and set it up. And I think it's just a bunch of fun. So I've got that. I've got some snacks. I've got some Halloween party candy. I just, I hope that it's great. I really want these kids to have a good and safe time, and if they can do that, there will be a second time. If somehow I have a bunch of problems, there will not be a second time. I'm like, I'm just so nervous about it. Oh, Lord. I've been getting back on stage. So not traditional stand-up comedy in the clubs per se, but I've been booked for a few corporate awards Um, and wonderful charity events where you do a little bit of stand-up, where you give out the trophies. And that's so much fun. It gets colder, and those company events start to get in the calendar. And I did one at the Natural History Museum that was for a beautiful charity, like really high, high net worth real estate people. And that kind of makes me nervous, just the style of comedy that I do. You know, sometimes it goes down with a lot of rich white men in bow ties, and then sometimes it doesn't. And it was a very dramatic room. It's uh, under that big blue whale skeleton. I Googled it on the way in just to see, you know, what else can I say about my surroundings? Butter these people up before I hit them with the dick jokes. What can I say about the whale? And it just makes me sad. I mean, I don't know why I thought I could Google stuff in the Natural History Museum and get a happy story. But basically, this blue whale, and if you've been to the museum in London, you will know it. It's like this massive, massive skeleton hanging in one special room. It died in Ireland, so it got into water that was too shallow, and it was there for a while. And then a bunch of Irish guys, this is like in the 1800s, they came out and like tried to put it out of its misery, basically. And then eventually, they did. And the final man who delivered like the final blow... Sorry, I mean I don't know why. Jen, trigger warning. This is I'm always so late with it. I'm sorry, Jen. But the whale died in the 1800s, and a lot of really bad things, even worse things, have happened since then. Um, his family got to have like the dead whale, and then I don't know where they kept it for like a hundred years, and then it was sold or given to the Natural History Museum. So that's an Irish whale that got lost, or it's a whale from somewhere that got lost in Ireland. And it's beautiful. And I did kind of okay. I don't know if they liked me or not, but it doesn't matter if they liked me. They were there to support a very worthy grassroots children's charity that does amazing work. And I love grassroots charities because I feel like more money goes directly to the cause. You get a lot of bang for your buck supporting those kind of charities. And then I got to do a wonderful gig for call centers in Wales, Connect Wales, telecoms and stuff. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that I did these gigs, but I just love them so much. It really makes me feel like being part of a team. And I will tell you that, you know, sometimes you get a call or you reach out for customer service to a call center and you're speaking to your person, but you can also hear like a thousand people in the background, like me, 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 me on their own little conversations. That is hilariously what this gig was. So somehow all these people, loads of energy, by the way. And sometimes I go to these things and you're not clapping for the winner. You kind of just looking sullen or I don't know why you'd be upset at an awards maybe I guess there are incrementally more losers than winners as the awards go on but some people aren't just not happy to be there these people you could tell they love their teams they loved what they do they were so happy to be there and they were cheering for everyone they're really listening but also really talking loudly and having a party And <laughs> it was the weirdest it made me feel honestly like a jazz musician at a party that everyone was making their own noise like the entire time loads of noise but because it was telecoms i was just like no that's kind of how it is you could just hear loads of other voices but you're still dialed in you're still paying attention and i rolled with it and i actually had the most amazing time it was in cardiff they always put out a spread i love the welsh they're so welcoming when you visit them They left me um, a a big boiling thing so I could make loads of teas and coffees. They had crisps. They had chocolate. They had gluten-free and vegan everything. I think some people look at me and they go, I don't really understand if you're vegan or gluten-free. I don't really know what either of those things mean. So all the food we're going to give you is free from everything. But I had a really delicious chocolate. And then this young lady, Saskia, who looked after me, prepared a beautiful jar of gherkins. And that actually happened at the Natural History Museum as well. People are giving me, in my dressing room now, gherkins. People are really paying attention. Oh, God, another thing that happened while I was away the last two weeks is that my mother met Sunita. My mom's great. It was wonderful having her here. I don't expect her to know every British personality. Even though Sunita is world famous, Sunita is a one name, like Madonna or Kylie, and everybody knows who she is. But my mom unfortunately did not. So we went to a premiere screening of the new series of Drag Race UK, which was excellent, which I'm really excited about. Loads of regional queens um, bringing it home, and I can't wait to watch the full series when it launches. Well, maybe it has just launched. It launched was like very soon. I think it launched just the other day. But anyway, we went to the screening and Sunita was there. And I was so excited to see Sunita. And then my mom leans over and she says, hi, I'm Julie. What's your name? And Sunita was like, Sunita. My mom goes, oh, I'm sorry. What was your name? Because it was loud. Asked her twice for her name. And I was like, mama, I don't think Sunita wants you to ask her what her name was. Like she was very gracious and generous about it and didn't act like she was offended. But there was something about, you know, the way my mom asked twice. I know she didn't mean it, but it almost seemed like she was doing it as a joke. I don't know. I just feel so much like everybody knows who Sunita is. Maybe that's just me. And very excitingly, the next night, I was able to secure a Joe Lysett painting. Actually, I think it's a painting. It better be an original. It might be a screen print, but I think for what it costs. It's original. It doesn't matter. My good friend Joe Lysett comedian, uh, political... Uh, what what would you even call him? Political stuntman, presenter, satirist, actor, painter, genius. Had an exhibition in Covent Garden for a collab that he's done with his own mother, Helen Lysett who is a very beautiful painter. And then Joe's style is... Just so his own. It's like really colorful and maybe more modern. I don't. I'm not really a critic. I just love it all. I went there on my anniversary. Bobby and I have now been married four years. hashtag Four more years, and we are almost as happy as we were at the start. Our anniversary fell on the same day as Joe's exhibition, so we went out to Covent Garden. And then I've been meaning to take my husband Bobby Kay to Home Slice which is the pizza restaurant owned by our good friend, Mark Wogan. I mean, he's not our good friend. He's kind of a friend of a friend, but I really like him. I think he's super cool. I would like to be better friends with Mark and his wife. And they have these pizza restaurants, Home Slice, which are apparently so fresh and the dough is so good that even people who are gluten intolerant, not celiac, but gluten intolerant can have this pizza. And they're like big pizzas. It's just like a cool place to hang out. You can have drinks. They had a really special menu where I could have like a margarita drink and a margarita pizza. And they're just like really big pizzas that you share. It was cool. It was like really a nice down-to-earth anniversary dinner. We didn't have to do anything fancy. It wasn't like that. And then uh, we went home and I feel like it was just the perfect night. So I'm sorry that I was away for two weeks, but just know that I've been trying to rest up. I've been having fun. I've been visiting family. I've been hanging out with the babies. Fena is on the move. She's literally running, but she needs to hold your hands. It's that stage of babyhood where you're breaking your back and you kind of just want them to walk already, even though it breaks your heart that they're going to walk soon. But I'm just too old to be hunched. On that note, let's listen to these words from our sponsors. And when we return, I will dive into the emails. I'll see what letters you've sent me, what dilemmas you have, what you think about the other podcasts, what help you have for other listeners. If you ever want to write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Oh, some people were pissed that I was being negative about using Ozempic off-label for weight loss. And I'm sorry if I made it sound like that. Like, I really, you know me. I support you. I don't mind what you do. If you needed to use that to lose weight and you feel healthier for doing that or it's sorted out something for you, you know I get Botox, I get filler, I have breast implants. You do what you gotta do. I was just trying to make the point that even though... Ozempic has, you know, risks like many medications and is really expensive. People are clamoring for it and it's basically run out. But those are the same people that were like, oh, I'm not going to take the COVID vaccine. So if the government were smart, they can give us any drug ever. If they just tell us we'll lose a bit of weight, that's all. And yeah, I probably made it sound like I was judging you, but I absolutely wasn't. You go out and you live your life and you do what you got to do. Oh, Christ, this was in response to the teen who was very troubled last week, only 15 years old and sending explicit photos, wanting to do OnlyFans. This listener has written in, Catherine, I'm not a mental health expert, but her behavior is screaming out that there is a missing part to the listener's story. Having photos shared around school, sending photos to older men, and now wanting to do OnlyFans is flagging for me as a possible sexual abuse survivor. A lot of hypersexual behavior, especially in young girls, can be linked to abuse. I would be concerned that that's the case. The person doing it could still be in her life as well. You said that she has been in therapy. This must be flagging for the therapist as a possibility. I would definitely hope so. Whether it's the case or not, her imminent safety is obviously the main priority. If it is the case, she'll only be ready to talk when she's ready. So the only thing I can suggest is that this is spoken about with the therapist and taken from there, and that the family do not gossip about her. I hope she finds some stability and safety soon as the current path could lead to a lifetime of abuse. Thank you for that. You know what? That's crazy that that didn't even flag with me. Because I think that some people just are very hypersexual. And when you're a teenager, at least in my experience, I wasn't sending explicit photos. But that's because I was a teenager in the late 90s, early 90s. I didn't have the facility to send explicit photos. But I certainly wanted to be really sexy, like Britney Spears, who this week posted a video dancing with knives. Was Britney abused? Will we ever get to the bottom of that? I think she has a book coming out soon that she definitely didn't write unless it is a coloring book. No offense, Brittany. I'm not trying to get her followers mad at me. I know that we are as passionate as the Swifties of today. And I love Brittany and I want Brittany to be okay. And to the listener who wrote me in about this young person in your life, yeah, I mean, like take this behavior as possible red flags and worst case scenario, you're overcooking it like me with the permission letter to come to Violet's party, but I'd rather overcook it than undercook it, you know? Teenage mental health is like chicken in that way. Next. Ooh, caring for babies after having a cigarette, third-hand smoke. Okay, so I've spoken about BK smoking on the podcast. He doesn't smoke often. He mostly smokes on the golf course. He took up golf, I think just so that he can smoke, but every once in a while, He does have a cigarette in the garden, and then I don't want him to touch the babies for an hour because I've heard about this third-hand, second-hand smoke, whatever. So the listener writes to me, I wanted to share my experience. My daughter was a severe asthmatic as a baby and small child. We went through countless ER visits, hospital stays, and even a PICU stay. Back in 2007, 2013, when I was dealing with this most, there was an emerging theory that has now been scientifically proven. There is something called third-hand smoke. This is when the smoke that lingers on your skin, clothing, and hair can affect others. In my daughter's case, it would send her to the ER with an asthma attack requiring a week of steroids and extra breathing treatments. Each attack scars the lungs, and with too many attacks, the lungs don't ever recover, and your asthma becomes worse. Here's where this is important to you. Baby and small child airways are smaller, as thin as a strand of hair. The chemical exposure creates inflammation and can make it harder to breathe. In the right child, they can develop asthma from this repeated exposure. This is especially true of children with a parent with autoimmune diseases, like me. So technically, every time he smokes, the husband should fully shower and change after every cigarette. This is what we had to implement with a smoking grandmother who would wash her hands only before we insisted on this new protocol. My daughter's attacks lessened in a huge way. And with some other therapies, she eventually grew out of it. Well, I'm very, very happy to hear that. But if I tell Bobby that he has to have a full shower after each cigarette, then that's two activities that he can't do while holding a baby. He's going to have smoke breaks, which I don't get, by the way. And now he's going to have shower breaks. So like basically... Bobby, like, Bobby's gonna be like, well, actually, I should probably have a sauna after my cigarette as well, and a quick swim, uh, nine holes of golf, and a shower. And I don't mean to talk shit about Bobby. Do you know what? There was a time where I think I wasn't seeing enough people, and I didn't have enough life experience, and I was dunking on Bobby a little bit too much in my stand up or on chat shows, you know, talking about the golf because like I need material, and it is funny and it is relatable. But some of these clips went viral, and I think Bobby recently has seemed to not enjoy it as much he's held his hands up and been like hang on like what do you really think my contribution is to this household and I think that Bobby has an amazing contribution to this household uh London Hughes a very funny comedian with a new book out called living my best life hun and she is I just feel so joyful when I see her in America like dancing staying up late having designer clothes, getting her hair done again, nails done again. I'm like, this is what child-free looks like. She is in the UK currently, and she put something on social media about not dating poor men. And she said, I'm the breadwinner. My partner's going to be a breadwinner. There are no bread losers in our relationship. And I thought the term bread loser was so funny. And sometimes in a partnership, there is someone who is in a season of staying home with the children. And right now we have collectively decided that that is Bobby's season and that I am out working. So technically I am the breadwinner, but when I saw London Hughes use the word bread loser, I laughed because I went, oh, Bobby is so not a bread loser. You know what I mean? His value to the house is so appreciated and so important. And especially right now, Fred is obsessed with him, like kind of to a creepy level where he won't let him out of his sight. Bobby is Fred's like favorite, favorite living person on earth, which is kind of weird as the mom because it used to be me, but it's no longer me. So anyway, London Hughes, very funny, has a book out. Bobby, no, he will not be showering after cigarettes. Nice try. I bet Bobby wrote this fucking letter. You know that? All right. But yeah, like, I mean, smoking full stop is disgusting, and I don't like it around my kids. And even if you shower and change your clothes, I think there's another study that says you breathe out carbon monoxide for an hour. So, like, you just can't be around any kids at all for one hour. I just want him to quit. But I also don't like to boss people around. Catherine, some questions about how to monitor Snapchat. I'm curious about how exactly you are monitoring Violet's Snapchat, as discussed in the last podcast. If messages disappear after reading, how can this be? I've gotten into huge trouble with my twins for reading messages because, quote, it makes them look like bitches for not replying. (laughs) Um, well, yeah. So there are certain messages that don't disappear. Like a photo message or a video will disappear, but voice notes remain and anything they've typed remains. So to be very honest with you, I don't click on stuff that's new because I know she'll only see it once if it's a photo or a video and then Violet will never get the message and it's not intended for me. I spot check kind of the messages that have already been checked or I look at texts. Like if I click on something with one of her good friends and or a group of friends or, or, you know, a name that I don't recognize, sometimes I'll click on that. I read all the way up like as far as I can with the chats and sort of I can get an idea of what's going on. But no, I mean, I don't see a lot of these picture messages that disappear. I really don't. And I hate that about Snapchat and I wish they didn't use it. And right now the compromise is just that she knows I could pop in there at any minute. And I check it infrequently, but I'm I'm in and out just as much as I can. So I feel it. Like I'm using mostly Spidey Sense alone to have a level of trust about what's going on. Also, if you click on the camera icon and then uh, like swipe up, you can see all the photos and videos that your twins have taken. So not necessarily what's sent to them, but what is in their Snapchat camera and film role of what they have sent out. And that's mostly what I'm concerned about as well is watching like the videos and chats and photos that Violet herself is sending out. And those all save on Snapchat. So just go to where the camera icon is in the middle and swipe up and you can see all of that. If anybody has any, like if there's any Snapchat expert or even screen time expert, because they hack that to shit, do you know what they do when you set screen time? Is they give you your, their phone, but they've already screen recorded. So they're recording a video of what's happening on their phone. And then you set screen time. You put in a password. You give them back their phone. They finish the screen recording. And then they just watch it back to see what your password is. For God's sake. I'm not trying to ruin your fun teenagers with these permission waivers and with Snapchat checks. It's that you are too young to have these dangerous tools. And so I have to monitor them. If anyone knows how to better monitor Snapchat, please get in touch. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Oh, no, this is very, very bad. Dog custody dilemma. Trigger warning, Jen. No, I don't think any dog's been hurt, but, you know. Catherine, my young adult daughter, 25, left her dog with my sister while my daughter spent many months traveling outside the country. She is a model. My sister lives in Toronto and my daughter lives in L.A., At first, my daughter would send money to my sister to help pay for this dog and any vet expenses. My sister doesn't have much money, so I suggested to my daughter that that would be the right thing to do. It was, after all, her dog. As time passed, that dwindled away for no apparent reason that I could tell on either side. My daughter would see the dog when she came back to Toronto, but there was a shift. Although the pup was super excited to see my daughter, and she him, he would find his way back into my sister's arms. About 18 months into the dog living with my sister and her family, COVID hit and my daughter wanted her dog back. She had moved to a new city and her traveling had stopped. I'm sure you can guess where this is going. My sister refused to return the dog, citing, amongst other reasons, that the dog was better off with her and her family than it was with my daughter, and that my daughter's busy lifestyle was not conducive to having a pet. That lovely little dog had become a superstar member of my sister's family. Now, there's no question in anyone's mind that if the dog could talk, he would choose to stay with my sister and her family. Now, recently, a battle of unsurmountable biblical proportions ensued when I got stuck in the middle the bystander, the negotiator between my daughter and my sister. Other family members have wedged themselves into the custody debate, those being my two other sisters, and they emphatically side with my sister, believing the dog should stay with her. This has resulted in a family stalemate. My sister and I have not spoken for nine months. Not only have we not spoken, but she has yet to return or acknowledge a single message from me, not even the nicely worded ones where I'm begging her just to talk about it, to put a human life, my daughter, above that of an animal. I have investigated small claims court, which even if the judge rules for my daughter in Ontario, where the dog currently resides, pets are seen as property, which means that my daughter could just receive the dog's monetary value, not the dog itself. What? So I ask you, who is right? Two sides. Who should have the dog? If you tell me my sister is right, I will try hard and let this go. Oh! <gasps> Oh no, what a huge responsibility for me. I mean, oh God. All right, people don't make any decisions until we get all of the listeners' opinions. We are gonna be taking a huge poll this week. I will be back next week just to find out what everybody says. Joanne, get all the listener emails on this subject that you can. Do you guys think that the daughter, original owner, 25-year-old model, who travels but not for COVID should have this dog? Or do you think that the sister who's had the dog for 18 months plus COVID time, I guess, so now it's been ages, should have the dog? Okay. So from your sister's perspective, she loves the dog. She looked after him and that is what parenthood is. It's not money and it's not biology and it's not ownership. It's like, I have nurtured and cared for this dog. A year and a half is a long time, plus COVID. And I can't let something I love be mistreated. And if I give it to a young model who's traveling around all the time, I think it's going to be badly looked after. But I'm not sure why your sister thinks that. Because when your daughter started traveling so much, she relinquished this dog to your sister. So that would be like, oh, you know what? She'll give him back to me. If she travels again and the dog will always be cared for. Like, it's weird. I guess COVID makes people do crazy things, but it's weird that your sister has really decided this line in the sand when she could have just had the dog paid for again, had a little vacation from the dog, and when your daughter starts modeling again, she would have the dog right back, but not now. Like, now your sister's love for the dog and refusal to give it back has alienated her from the whole family like in different sides of the family are finding like of course they are because it's a big step to take someone's dog to be like I'm not giving him back guess what and then made your 25 daughter 25 year old daughter be all alone during COVID presumably when she wasn't traveling so that to me seems pretty fucked up but also is your daughter big enough to sit down and have the conversation like all right your auntie went about it the wrong way But if you look at the logistics, that dog was with her for a year and a half and you stopped paying for the dog, didn't you? And you want this young, free life where you're modeling and you're traveling, though I don't know how much necessarily one models after 25 these days. Maybe they've changed it. But you're moving all around. And do you really think that that's the life for the dog? And I hate to get religious on you. But I used to read, this will shock people, I used to read a child's version of the Bible a lot growing up. And I was Irish Catholic. I went to a French school. I knew many stories from the Bible. And even though I think that the Bible is not necessarily God's word, it's like stories interpreted by men and written in a book, some of it has some merit and you can apply it to real life. I'm going to tell you the story of King Solomon. And maybe there are other stories about him, but this is the one that I remember. He was a good and fair king and everybody liked him. Or he was a judge or something and also a king. There were two women. Oh, and this is, again, a really sad story. But there were two women co-sleeping with their babies. Two women in a bed, two babies in the same bed. So we got four people in this bed. In the night, one lady rolled on her baby and accidentally suffocated it. She woke up and realized what she'd done. So she put the other living baby next to her and swapped the babies, basically. So the other mother wakes up. And the other mother's like, what? What You've rolled on your baby and put it next to me. This is not my baby. And the mother who rolled on it is like, yes, it is. My baby's alive. Yours isn't. So the women obviously have a dispute now about whose baby it is. One woman is the real mother of this living baby, and she knows it. And this living baby has been snatched by a very traumatized woman who has just rolled on her own baby. So they take it to King Solomon and he listens to them speak and he goes, right, what we're going to do is cut the baby in half and then you each have some baby. And one woman's like, yep, that's fair. And the other one's like, no, 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 don't cut my baby in half. Jesus, just give it to that crazy lady who rolled on her baby. And then King Solomon goes, aha, so it's your baby because you wanted to do the right thing for the baby. Here you go. And then gives the rightful mother her baby. And that is not a appropriate story for kids, but I remember reading it amongst other stories where people had to melt down gold and drink it and die. And then another guy got eaten by a whale for a while. I mean, the Bible is mental. But I think whoever wants the best for this dog is the one who should get the dog. And it wasn't right of your sister to be like, it's my dog, you know what I mean? She made a deal to look after your daughter's dog And if she was getting too attached to it, she should have said so right then and there instead of like letting COVID hit and then steal the dog. But I can see how she loves the dog and doesn't want to have it mistreated. Your daughter though is being a little bit me, me, me because she's like, sure, I traveled and I neglected this dog in a way. Like, yeah, I gave it to a loving home, but I wasn't with it. I let someone else bond with it. I let someone else fall in love with it. I let this dog fall in love with my auntie. And now I want it back because it's mine. And I'm sorry that Ontario sees pets as property because they kind of aren't. Like they have thoughts and feelings and they love and they feel scared and they feel whatever they feel. I don't really know. I don't talk to a lot of dogs, but they aren't just attached to a monetary value. Like they're things with feelings. So I would just say that to my daughter and see how she feels about it. Because ultimately the best case scenario for you would be for your daughter to selflessly decide this herself and be like all right my aunt is kind of a bitch for stealing my dog but ultimately the dog I think is better with my aunt and I can let it go because like I don't think you should be in the middle of it at all I think you just need to be like sure that's my sister and you're my daughter but that's your aunt and you sort it out because you're 25 and is it worth you not speaking to your sister ever again and having all these other sisters involved? like this has gone on too far I don't really know who's right, but that's my two cents on it. But don't worry. I think we're going to get lots of letters on this over the next week. People are deeply passionate about dogs. Please tell us what you think. We need to know what you think. I don't have the perfect answer. The address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Last letter of the day, and it is about a stalker or secret admirer. Catherine, I'm a 26-year-old woman who has just recently bought and moved into my own apartment in Southeast London. Uh, let me stop you there. You have a stalker. (laughs) Sorry. Statistically, you don't have a secret admirer. You definitely have a stalker. I joined the leisure center, which is about a five-minute drive from my new flat. Everything seemed fine. I didn't talk to anyone. I did my swim, and I left. This was on a Sunday afternoon. Yet, as I left my apartment, not the leisure center, on Monday, there was a sandwich bag tied to my driver's side door handle with a note inside. Ugh. The note said hi you looked stunning in the pool and even more so in the shower after i was winding down as you showered the man with the muscles i was in the white car behind you as you drove out i'm not a weirdo or a fruit loop just saw where you went would love a date he then left his name and a mobile number now i don't find this romantic i feel sick now i don't find this romantic at all instead i was instantly terrified that i'd been followed home by a strange man correct Who now knows where I live, correct? I didn't know I was being watched. I had no idea I'd been followed. The change rooms are all communal, so it's women, children, and men all in one, and they are visible from the main pool area. I ended up calling 101, good, speaking to an officer to get some advice. The next day, I had two female officers come to my apartment to take a statement and also to look at the note. When they left, they advised that they can't make contact with him at this stage because it's a standalone instance, and basically I have to wait for something else to happen before they can act. I hate to admit it, but I'm still scared. I live alone about 90% of the time, and now I've been put into a situation where I don't feel safe in my own space anymore. Every noise at night wakes me up, and every time I walk from the station to my apartment, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder and holding my breath when I see a white car. The police advised me that I should take different routes and not go back to the leisure center for a week to let the dust settle? That I should be vigilant and careful leaving and entering the building? What's your opinion? Have I done the right thing? So... There's a book that I keep mentioning and it's called The Gift of Fear and you have to read it and it's about trusting your gut. So instantly you felt scared. Any guy who follows you home and leaves a note on your car door handle and has to say I'm not a Fruit Loop is a bit of a fucking weirdo. That's not to say that you are in any danger. Do you know? This guy could just be kind of a loser and he's like definitely crossed a boundary but that doesn't mean he's going to kill you. There are a lot of people who have, you know, people who aren't, aren't going to hurt you, but they have crushes on you and they're annoying, basically. But he needs to know that he has crossed a boundary. I think if it were me... Oh, first of all, I think you definitely did the right thing by letting police know and logging this incident because they can't establish a pattern unless you tell them about incidents. And some people would be embarrassed to go, oh, no, well, maybe I shouldn't. And they wouldn't have the balls that it takes to actually make that call. So well done you for making the call, because if it does escalate, then that call is not the first call. You know what I mean? So great. So they have a record of this. I would go back to the leisure center and I would speak with someone in charge Because this is a member or if it's not a membership thing. Oh, it is. You joined, didn't you? Great. Joined. So it's a membership thing. So they know exactly who he is. I would send the note to them, present, like say, can I talk to a manager at the leisure center? Show them the note and be like, I called the police about this. I was followed home. This guy watched me in the shower. I know it's all communal and whatever. But have you had any other instances with this guy? Because maybe it's a pattern with women at that leisure center. And can you say, I would like someone from this leisure center to monitor my safety and keep me safe while I'm using this facility. You're the one who chooses to have communal showers. You're the one who puts like women and men and children all together. You're the place that I go to do my workout. Can you have a chat with this guy? And they don't have to threaten him or anything else, but the next time he scans his card, do-do-do-do, and then the manager sits him down and goes, hi. Not crazy, fruit loop, scary guy. Don't follow women home from the leisure center and leave notes on their cars. Now I don't want you having contact with this woman ever again. Maybe you meant well, but you're not going to be doing it again. Uh, At this leisure center, we don't... That's not how we date. Like, get on Tinder or fuck off. That's it. That's what I would do. And if the manager is not prepared to do that, I would be very surprised. But then you approach him if you ever see him at the leisure center again and just be like, hi, I received your note because obviously you speaking to his face. Like, you know, I don't mean to victim blame. Certainly, like, no one does anything or doesn't do anything to elicit inappropriate behavior. But I am very (laughs) confrontational, as we know. And I think that sometimes just saying something out loud or calling something out removes the risk. So just go right up to the sky and go, hi, I don't want you following me home and leaving notes on my car door. That actually made me feel quite unsafe I've just moved into the building with my boyfriend or with my dad or like whatever old fashioned thing you feel safe saying and be like, and, you know, can you see how that would make me feel unsafe? Please don't do it again. I'm not interested in a relationship. Have a nice workout. And hopefully it doesn't come to you having to do that because that is a scary thing to do. But that's what I would do anyway if the manager wasn't prepared to do it. You did all the right things so far. I would not worry about it. You deserve to feel happy and safe and wonderful in your new flat. And you deserve to be able to work out and swim and do whatever you want to do at the leisure center. And I hate that the police are like, take a different route. Modify your behavior. Like men should be chaperoned and you should just live your life. Your wonderful, single, amazing, homeowner life. And don't give this bread loser another thought. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I really appreciate your letters. I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate people who are reading my book, The Audacity. I appreciate you for following me on Instagram at Cathbum. And I was so privileged, blessed, honored to do the latest episode of Desert Island Discs with the wonderful Lauren Laverne. So if you'd like to listen to that, that's available on BBC iPlayer now. I'll see you next week. Please write me a letter at tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com.